Welcome back to part two of the Harry Potter series. Go back to part one if you have not listened to it yet. And we are talking about the Harry Potter series in this second part. And in this episode, we're going to talk specifically about books five through seven, the beefy books. And I'm still here with Emily, Jason, John. Let's dive deep into these next books. So let's talk about book five. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Order of the Phoenix. Order of the Phoenix. So this book starts off. So I like what Jay said in the last episode. I know we said a lot, but um, yeah, he said that. So the first three books were very similar in style and feel. And then you have the fourth book, which is very different. And then you have the last three books. They're very similar. Correct, Jace? Yes. So in this book, this is where it starts getting kind of dark. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. We start so, off with the Dementors. And so, you know, just plunge into the creepy. Yeah, I know, right? Start off with the Dementors and they're actually in the muggle world uh, for some odd reason. And is that ever explained, really? I can't remember. Uh, Voldemort sends them after him. Oh. Which he can only do because he's alive. And also Fudge later on at the trial is like, no, no, because we're in control of the Dementors because of Azkaban and, you know, we're in control of them. And so then Dumbledore's like, hmm, well, if you're in control of them, I wonder why they were in in this alley with a student. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, that's when they're all freaking out because, and just, we see a lot of the politics, the politics start to bring up. Well, because they're trying to expel Harry over a simple matter of underage wizardry. <laughs> yes. Which is Dumbledore, Dumbledore basically calls them out for holding a full trial. That's, it's just dumb. Those True. hooligans and their underage magic. I can't yeah. believe them. No, but, I mean, that's true. I mean, he did use underage magic, but he kind of had to, or else he would have died. He would have got a soul kissed. Wait, yeah, no. it really comes it's allowed. Down, it really allowed. comes down to them not believing Harry that there was Dementors, and he used it to defend the Muggle. How do you well, not believe that? It shows how fickle uh, Cornelius Fudge is, yeah. because, like, the entire beginning of the series, I mean, I don't think you meet him right away, but you've met him at least once before, and he, like, I think it's the third book where he blows up his aunt, and Fudge is like, oh, it's no big deal, you know? We're just going to deflate her and move on. And he's very like, I'm going to be your pal because you're famous and I need you to support me later on in your life. And then here, once Harry's like, no, he like Voldemort is here and you need to be doing something about it. And Fudge is like in super denial. Now we're not buds anymore. And so even though you were saving your life with the magic, it's not okay anymore. Yeah. 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 You know, they blew up the ant in the third book and they didn't say anything. And now, yeah, now they're defending themselves and they're like, Oh, well you can't do that. That type of thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, one of the things that I'm actually looking at the book right now, one of the things that we forgot to kind of cover before we started to record, and that's Percy Weasley. 
um, we start seeing crap. We start seeing him a lot. I mean, we have uh, seen him a lot in books one, two, and three. We didn't mention him in the podcast at all in the last episode, uh, but he was like a prefect and yada yada yada. But now he's kind of the bad Weasley. Yep. So he's, he's the one that's kind of like going away from the family, Rebel Weasley. Yep, because it's more important to him to have a good position in the ministry. Yes. Yes. But, I mean, he just wants a good life. He just wants a good job. You can't, you know, shame him for that, right? He's morals to do it, you know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Poor poor Percy. I almost said poor Weasley. Poor Percy. Poor Percy. So, what do we like about this book? So, um, let's go with... uh, um, Let's go with Jonathan. Jonathan, what do you like about this book particularly? So for me, I like one of my favorite things is Dumbledore's army when they start training and getting stronger Mm -hmm. because it's almost like a young adult rebellion book, you know, where they're trying to fight against the evil leader. And so that's always been exciting for me and why this is one of my favorites. Um, it also mm-hmm. just, it, it has so much to it that uh, it's hard to pick one, but if I had to choose, it would be, it would just be Dumbledore's that army. Dumbledore, Dumbledore, Dumbledore's army. Dumbledore. <laughs> Dumbledore. <clears throat> Jace, what about you? What do you like about this book? Um, I'm going to have to agree with John. I think the general camaraderie of the story um in that you have a very distinct villain who is just awful and Mm -hmm. um just them coming together i mean they do that more so even in the later books but this book particular just the bonding and the general we're going to come together even if it means breaking the rules to do the right thing um but i also really I really enjoy that particularly because I feel like out of all the books, this is one where Harry is the most isolated um, mm. with the having the cerebral connection with Voldemort and um, him being very angry as he talks about in the, in the book. And um, I, I think it really this, this book is, I think a lot of people's why they struggle with it is because of that isolation that he's experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um but I think the balance to that is how they are coming together. And even some of them who did not agree with Harry at first kind of put that aside um, yeah. and do come around and um, join the club. And um, it's a really good uh, feel good friendship book was something I enjoy about it. Yeah, that's true. Now, now we're going to get to characters in a second, but uh, Emily, do you agree with that? Or is there another reason why you like the book? Um, I also like that uh, you get to meet the other members of the Order of the Phoenix and just kind of, I I know we're about to talk about characters, but Mm -hmm. like just getting to know some more adult wizards and like people who, you know, are years older than our our main characters here and are living their their wizardy lives and who are... Like actual adults. Yeah, and who are passionate (laughs) about the same things like they went through this with Voldemort, you know, 15 years ago or whatever. And now there's, 
their back and having to fight again and be all undercover and it's I like seeing I like seeing um such a wide age range of wizards like all united kind of like what Jace was saying yeah 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 I mean this book definitely has that it, it and I think Jace mentioned it in the last episode uh this book really oh maybe you didn't mention it in the episode but you mentioned it after recording or something that this is the book that kind of opens up the world of harry potter not just the story of harry potter like oh they're going to school and all they have is the school like there's an actual word world outside of it yeah i think that was when we were talking about the fourth book because you have like the other wizarding schools as well Mm -hmm. kind of are like oh it's not just like hogwarts is the only thing we're going to hear about. It just opens up like not even just the global world of Harry Potter, but like the inner workings of the world of Harry Potter. Like um, we get to see a little bit more of the inside of what the ministry of magic is um, and how it runs and um, what it looks like and what it feels like and how it's this massive operation that runs the wizarding world. And, um, just, just to see that opened up into a very, like, I guess I could say almost in, like, an applicable way um, in the sense that, like, oh, this is, like, an actual, like, government that yeah. runs, has rules and laws, and just like our world, it's just, it's just the wizarding world. And so yeah. it's, it's, again, that really cool thing that JK does that puts this in a, such a wonderful fantasy setting but it's so grounded in like the real world operations that it makes it feel so real. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. That's, that's one of the things that I love about this book. It's just that it's more open world and, you know, you kind of just start getting into, uh, which, which is perfect in a sense because Voldemort's back and you need to realize that it's not just a school. This is affecting the entire wizarding world. So um, let's get into the characters that we meet in this book because we meet a lot of them, like we've kind of mentioned. Um, so in the Order of the Phoenix, the Order of the Phoenix is this group of people who were banding together, usually friends. Of course, uh, Harry's mother and father were a part of it when they were alive. And uh, Sirius Black is. We've already met him. Uh, Lupin was. All the Weasleys um, are. and But there are some new faces in the group. Uh, we got Nymphadora Tonks, um, which don't call her Nymphadora. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have Kingsley and Mad-Eye Moody. Of course, we saw him. Not the real him, but... Well, I guess we did see the real him, but not really. Very briefly. Very briefly, yeah, in the book. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're just seeing all these characters. And one of the characters that you meet, first off, which you can talk about a little bit, and that is Luna, because she's a big aspect of the rest of the series really and yep. uh, you um you meet her in this book so what's your opinions of luna i love her yeah yep i think she okay this is gonna sound odd but i think she brings a really intriguing simplicity to the story mm-hmm. and almost like she's that character that just profoundly looks at everything very simple but yet sees more than anybody gives her credit for which i think is a fantastic character she doesn't take things personally even though she's constantly 
picked on and called, you know, things behind her back. And, like, she has things stolen from her. But, like, to me, she's, like, the epitome of the just the lovable character because there's nothing about her that's that sets you off because everything that she says sounds silly but you can you can't take her serious or not because you don't know if it's true or not um but then there's things that come out of her that are also extremely profound that Mm -hmm. you're like what you just said is simple but its meaning can help can hold a lot of weight um and i just think that that kind of character brings in a really nice balance in reference to everybody else because she's also not a character like anybody else um and i think that harry finds a little bit of comfort um around her true true there's no pressure when he's with her compared to all the other people that he's with kind of in that kind of way too um uh john and emily do you have any opinions on luna lovegood yeah i mean i agree with jace because she could be a character that is just flighty and kind of an airhead and sometimes she seems like that but then she she says things and you realize she knows what's going on she knows people are making fun of her but she doesn't let it get to her she um is just always kind and good and she portrays that innocence um of her character but then she's also brave and uh i mean she's in ravenclaw but i think she's a very brave character too because she's not afraid to stand up and fight when the time comes yeah yeah she is a she's a great character and i'm I'm not sure like what jk rowling based her off of or i mean of course she probably has based all of her characters off of people she knows or people she's seen or whatever but it's a very just interesting character to add in, into this book because we've never seen her before. Like, she's never even mentioned or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's almost like there's so much crazy going on that a, not a simple character, but like a simple character like her that's just kind of like, I'm here. It's just very much that, needed in this book. I think she introduces her at a really good time because... Yeah. Like I said, with Harry feeling so isolated and mm-hmm. different from everyone else, I think introducing a character who is also just different, yeah. um, I think that she kind of introduces her as like this, Harry needs to connect with somebody on this level. Um, so who is that going to be? Because in a school like this setting, you're going to have people like that. And so I think it was also JK's way of saying Harry needs a friend that is not like anyone else. And in his time of isolation and feeling so, um, I guess, just uh, put off at everything, um, then coming, sweeping in with the balance of Luna, who is just delighted by almost everything, um, but also completely resonates with him on feeling different and... um, I just think that that's, I think that was very purposely, purposefully done. Yeah. Yeah. Is it said when she, like, has she been there the whole time and we're just now meeting her or was she homeschooled? No, she was there the whole time because Jimmy introduces them um, 
because she Luna is in the same year as Jenny, and so they know each other um, mm. prior to this year. Oh, that makes sense because we don't really meet anyone else in Jenny's year. Yeah, that's important. I, because this came up, I'm just gonna pop in with this. I love how consistent JK was with like her characters, and that like even though you might not know a lot, like all of the students you get the same students popping up over and over. Like all of the people in Harry and Ron and Hermione's year, like Mm -hmm. you can pretty much name them all. Like they just go through the school year all together. And like you get some older kids and some younger kids thrown in there. But like, it's really fun that you can. um, Feel like a part of the class. Yeah. 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 That's a nice way to put that. Well, and who would have thought, you know, you're a wizard or maybe you're not a wizard and uh, you're just going to Hogwarts, not knowing what's going on, and you just happen to be in the same class as Harry and you're like, oh man, I'm going to be fighting one day. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh man, this is going to get serious real fast. Um, I did think about that when I first started reading the books is there's not a lot of kids in their class. Like, not only their class as far as, like, all incoming kids in their class, but I mean, like, in Harry's Gryffindor group, yeah. there's not a lot. So, like, you better learn to like them enough to, like, stand them because you're going to be with them for seven years. Yeah. yeah. Like, what? I can just think of, like, some of the kids that I went to high school with that I would not have wanted to be with in close quarters like that for seven years. <laughs> yeah true true we got to go home in high school so like we exactly. got to go home and get away from them so that's true now oh, one of the things in this book is that the ministry is wanting to take over a lot of different things um because you know voldemort's back i used air quotes for that um <laughs> And uh, and so one of the things that they're trying to take a hold of because they think that Dumbledore, you know, is against them and Harry's against them and, you know, they're teaching bad things at Hogwarts, like how to defend themselves, <laughs> um, that they bring in a certain character that is probably uh, people's favorite character um, in the entire series, um, and that is Professor Umbridge. <laughs> <laughs> for sure Dolores Jane Umbridge uh, she is why do you think I mean you know we have the main villain at our disposal right now of course we see him in this book later on but why do you think that uh, JK created this type of character You know, in the book, she's described as toad-like. Just kind of a wicked woman. Um, Why do you think that this character was needed for this book? Anyone can answer this. It doesn't matter who. I feel like Voldemort is the the villain villain. Like, everybody knows that he's bad. Everybody knows that you should stay away from him. That he just is not a good person. Hardly even a person. Um... I feel like with Umbridge, it's it's like a, oh, she's from the government, so she should be better, you know? Like, mm-hmm. we should be able to trust her to come in here. And 
and it's more of like a a villain in disguise like you you should be able to trust the people who are coming in to help and instead she's just the worst and wants to control everything and oh yeah. why why are we doing things this way let's change it and it's the the villain that is not quite so straightforward but is worse for that yeah well i don't want to talk much about the movie um because i know i we're gonna have a certain episode for that a conversation but you know in the book she's considered like i mentioned she's considered toad like so just kind of an i don't want to say ugly but definitely she's ugly. An, she's ugly-esque With uh, a little you know, um and in the movie she's you know very petite very pink and they almost went with a like oh by look she's sweet but by not she's you know by not looking at her and actually knowing her she's the most horrible person you'll ever meet um why do you think jk rowling didn't go that way as well like why do you think they uh she made her physique or uh you know physical uh traits kind of like that like why do you why do you think why don't you think she made him made her like a perfect person and then uh evil i think visually um i think the movie was trying to really emphasize the idea of the hidden villain within her Mm -hmm. like with the cute pinkness and all of her little, mm-hmm, like little him, him. quote air quote cutesy things, yeah. Um, but then it always as is a mask of pure ill intent. Like she is so power hungry, and so I I feel like the movie was just really trying to emphasize that idea of <clears throat> she is an evil person masked by this sweetness if you want to call it that um where i feel like in the book i think jk was doing that but i think that she didn't need to do it as much because Mm -hmm. it's more of your um it's more of just a it's a difference in like reading a character versus seeing a character true i think reading wise i think that she's just the same as the in the book but i think the movies especially trying to give you that visual and trying to make that connection with you of Maybe somebody you know who is like this, who acts so innocent and sweet, and and you know wants the best for everyone, but actually that's not a, that's not at all what they're wanting or what they're striving for. And so I think the movie was just trying to get that, get you on edge even more so with that by making it a little bit more dramatic. Yeah, I agree. And you have to remember that these are like children's books, and a lot of times. Um, children's books will characterize the good and bad in people with physical Mm -hmm. traits so like a lot of times in stories evil or bad guys are gonna look like unwelcoming they're gonna unless it is an instance in which they're like trying to trick you with their good looks and uh, entrap you but most of the time they'll have like features that are harsh or scary or frightening or like unpleasant to symbolize the fact that they as a person are 
unpleasant, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And so I think that's why J.K. Rowling probably did it in the book. But I totally get what Jace is saying about the movie, how they tried to show that you never really know who was going to be in support of Voldemort because there's so many witches and wizards in this world that could be for or against, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and she just takes over the entire school. Um, you know, she, so we haven't mentioned this yet, but every year there's a new defense against a dark arts teacher. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you know, so first it was Quirrell. Second, it was Gilderoy Lockhart. Third, it was Remus Lupin. Fourth, it was Mad-Eye Moody. Well, the fake Mad-Eye Moody. And then five, it was Dolores Umbridge. And she um, just didn't do that, but she took over the entire school, like I said. Uh, you know, they kind of got rid of Dumbledore. She kind of took over as the High Inquisitor, which is a horrible title. <laughs> it just sounds evil. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, creating rules and not letting them practice magic and um which and i feel like which is a more uh just a more worse thing because year five in the book is when they start doing all of their magical tests like newts and owls and defense against the dark arts is a really important year and it was just kind of squished by umbridge coming in kind of taking over uh whatever she was doing so when i think that that's also the um like the teacher in me is thinking about like from the student's perspective Mm -hmm. she was just like the worst because you know our students get so frustrated when teachers say no to something or make a rule that prohibits them from doing something without an explanation because there was so much of an era where it was just i said no because i said no or Mm -hmm. i said no because it's what i it's what I think, you know, and we're not in, we're in an era that's not like that anymore. And I think JK kind of touched on this whole idea of like a teacher role that is so, again, power obsessed that she constantly, you know, prohibits things from them from doing things and to almost making it feel like a prison instead of a school. Yeah. And I think that was to add to that depth of evilness i guess um because she again like didn't really care about what she was doing necessarily she just wanted to be in control and have that say of whether or not you could do something yeah yeah it's I, so i think perspective you know this is a children's book so kids who are going to school reading these books probably find her as the most unappealing character because they're the epit- she's the epitome of what they don't want. They don't want somebody who's power hungry. They don't want somebody who, you know, is sweet, but then kicks them out, you know, and then they don't want that. Um, they want genuine out, like genuineness, and they want someone who does care and who wants them to enjoy their day. And so I think that um, JK really made a very um, <laughs> vexing Convincing character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's the whole reason why they started the the Dumbledore's army. Yeah, is to you know actually learn how to do these things 
and uh, because they knew they were going to get that from the actual school. I just love that even the magical world has standardized testing. <laughs> well, of course they do. But with cooler names. Owls and newts. Owls and newts. And I... I'm not gonna, I won't talk about it now. We're just talking about the books, but uh, later on in the series, I'll talk a little bit about uh, about that. Anyway, so uh, what what's next that happens? You know, we talked about Umbridge and how she's kind of a crazy person. Um, what else happens in this book? Like, what's next? Like, if you were going to say what's next in this book, what would you say? So interwoven throughout this story is Harry slowly... Um, getting glimpses into Voldemort's brain. Mm -hmm. Because, as we find out later, spoiler alert, he's a horcrux. <gasps> so How dare you say that in book five? <laughs> so, he's got this unique connection into Voldemort's brain, which allows him to see um, what he's thinking about sometimes when it's, or when he's feeling uh, strong emotion. And so, you get, um, he gets this first really vivid experience where he thinks he's having a dream and he's a snake and he ends up um, injuring uh, Arthur Weasley. And he realizes that it like, you know, really happened. And so then everybody is freaking out. And that's when uh, you get Snape coming in with occlumency lessons. Because isn't it such a good idea to put Snape and Harry in one-on-one -on -one lessons? So, know, right? um, but so I feel like that's the next big thing because then um, that leads up to the ending. True, true, and it also—I mean, it also point. You also kind of see a glimpse of Snape's back history in this book as well. Yeah kind of the start of what his character is going to turn into. You might not know exactly what's going to happen, but you really do see his as a kid, you know, in that, in the occlumency uh, moments and stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. In this book, um, we also have the introduction of Bellatrix Lestrange, who is very, a big part of the series as well um let's see what else we got um anything else that i'm missing before we get to the end i don't want to talk about it too much more because uh, we got two we other do, books to talk about but we do visit um hogsmeade or no we visit sirius's house oh true because that's where the order is old place yeah. so it's interesting to see and we meet um creature, oh, creature. um who's just yes. so bitter who becomes um, who becomes a big part of the story as well later on. But we get to see sort of like what it would be like a fully a full wizarding family, uh, uh, you know, apart from the Weasleys and also opposite of the Weasleys, um, but another full you know wizarding family home, um, and a little bit of what that's like. Yeah, yeah. we see uh, we get introduced to Grop. You mentioned that before we recorded, so I want to mention that now too. Which is a big difference, I honestly think. Um, between the books and the movies because Grop is the only giant we really meet in the movies yeah. and they play a much larger part I feel like in the books um, with Hagrid going to speak to them on behalf of Hogwarts and Dumbledore. And doesn't yeah. Hagrid go with the woman from Madame Maxime? Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. 
from the fourth book. Because she's part giant. Yeah, uh, Batten's headmaster, headmistress. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to the end. So pretty much, Harry gets a vision about Sirius Black. We all know Sirius. He's definitely not off the hook yet because he's kind of still in hiding, but kind of not. But he kind of is. And um, and so he gets a. Uh, a vision of Sirius Black in trouble. He rush, rushes off to the Ministry with a group of his friends, Luna, Neville, uh, Jenny, you know, all those important people. <laughs> and gets to the Ministry to find out that it was a trap. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and lo and behold, Festrals, yes. We didn't mention that. Which is also a very interesting thing because uh, J.K. Rowling finally introduced death. I mean, of course, the end of the fourth book, Cedric dies. You know, introducing death and grief and uh you know the thestrals are uh, a big symbolization of that because you can't see them unless you've seen somebody die yeah so but they can't take brooms to the ministry why would they why would they do that <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about um kind of the ministry so kind of like i know you guys were talking about it before we recorded um, about the brains that were trying to latch on to things and stuff like that. The ministry is a messed up place. It's well, the weird books, down the there. The books just, the difference between like the book version <laughs> of the ministry chaos and the movies is, I, I feel like that's one, that's one area in particular difference that is extremely different. Um, I feel like there's just a lot more to the book. Like there's just a yeah. lot more that happens they go to more rooms. Um, there's more suspense and more chaos. Because um, they're trying to look for a prophecy, right? Yes. So it is, yeah. That's kind of how and it And they starts. get to hear the prophecy for the first time. Yeah. And, the one that uh, Professor Talani gave. Yeah. And then Malfoy and the Death Eaters show up. Not Draco Malfoy, but the father, Lucius Malfoy. Lucius. Because Harry is the only one who can get the prophecy because it's about him. So they lured him there. And dun, then dun, dun. it just turns into this big chase, basically. And since yeah. all six of the teenagers have been training in Dumbledore's army, they're like super shooting off curses and hexes and whatnot. They're like super suit, <laughs> super shooting. Super shooting. And. Super shoot. They go through this all of these weird rooms when like a Death Eater's head gets gets like shrunk to a baby and then he's an old man and then he's a baby again and and brains attack Ron. And the kids get hurt. And like, they, they, they do get, get hurt. hurt. Like yeah. I'm pretty sure somebody a lot more than somebody's the nose gets broken. Yeah. And strangulation. Ron might have like a broken leg or something i'm not sure exactly but yeah they're real beat up by yeah. the time they get to the archway they get to the archway and, and the then and reinforcements the, yeah reinforcements come in the actual adults <laughs> yes yeah so one of the things about this one is and we're good about we're about to talk about it is the major death at the end of this um yeah did anyone see that coming when they were reading the book i feel like it wasn't until then or it was when they showed up that i was like somebody because it was one of those that like as you look at where you're at in the scene and then like glancing at how much book you have left yeah 
I feel like something's bad is about to happen. Um, so I didn't necessarily know who, but I definitely thought somebody is about something really bad is about to happen. Yeah. And I watched the movies first, so I did not see it coming, and it made me oh, super yeah. mad. Yeah, that's that's interesting to 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 see the difference there because I remember reading the book when Sirius um you know when Sirius when Sirius died and of course it was by the hands of Bellatrix who was in relation to them it's like a cousin yeah, which or makes something it so much worse. Yeah. Yeah, and of course Bellatrix is Bellatrix. But yeah. uh but yeah, it was definitely a rough blow and I think it wasn't necessarily I mean Sirius was just so like, we didn't really talk about this in the third book when we talked about it, but he was his godfather. He was planning on taking him away from the Dursleys. Wow. And, you know, a, finally a family that Harry could like yeah. and learn about more magic and stuff. And then J.K. Rowling just had to literally rip that away from us. <laughs> Horrible. Yeah. I mean, Sirius was really Harry's, like, biggest link to his parents. And and he didn't even get to spend that much time with him, which is the saddest part because, like, he finds out about him in the third book, and then he has to go into hiding. And then they send letters in the fourth book, but mm -hmm. he doesn't really see him at all. And then he finally gets to see him some in the fifth book, and then poof, now you're gone. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it was a shocker, I think, to a lot of people. Of course, it wasn't the biggest shocker. We're about to get to all of that. We're about to get on a roller coaster of emotions, folks, because it's just getting <laughs> started. Um, uh, by the way, we should probably mention it now. If you have not read the books and or have seen the movies, you probably shouldn't be listening to this if you are not wanting spoilers well it is too late for that it's way too late because you probably listened to the first episode the ship, um, has sailed. the ship has sailed but now uh, we're real serious if you do not want spoilers <laughs> now that we now that we don't have serious we're getting serious yeah yeah serious that's okay but you're gonna like i said we're in for a roller coaster of emotions um for the next couple books so uh definitely gonna want to stop and go read the books. I recommend reading the books and watching the movies, but I digress because we're, that's the topic for another discussion. So, um, anything else to talk about book five? I really enjoyed the, I really enjoyed the ending to book five because it really show it's a pretty big milestone for Harry mm -hmm. because I think throughout this book, he's doing a lot of comparison. Um, like he thinks that he's really similar to Voldemort. Mm -hmm. And that it might even be like the same, you know, but yeah. then at the end when Voldemort and Dumbledore have their little clash right. and mm -hmm. he like fully invades Harry's mind, that's how Harry, you know, sort of like, um, expels him because he does realize like, I am different than you. I am not the same. And I yeah. do care about friendship and forgiveness and love and that what's that's what makes me different than you yeah. even if we're similar in a lot of ways i'm still innately different than you um yeah. and that's what's going to make him strong and i really like that after a book that is really hard on harry 
as our as our main character that you get to end the book still very sad because of what happened but you do get to end on this little bit of shimmering hope because he does understand that he is different and that he's gonna use those dif- those differences yeah. in the future well no, you go, Emily, because my thought's going to end uh, that part. So you go. And I just I'm, also I'm appreciate um, Dumbledore is one of my favorite characters, but I really appreciate like how he has a chance to talk to Harry and say, you know, like, I didn't handle this well. Like, I thought that distancing myself from you would mm-hmm. be better because of this, you know, Voldemort being in your head thing. And obviously that was a mistake and just kind of like owning up to that because you don't always get a lot of accountability with adults adults and people who are older. And so him taking that step to say, you know, I thought I made the best choice for you and I was wrong and I'm sorry. Like I didn't want any of that to happen, you know, yeah, it's just a really good moment for them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, kind of to wrap up that thought, uh, but not, I'm kind of bringing in a conversation that I actually had today and not to get off topic a little bit, but I feel like it pertains to what Jay said and kind of the ending of the book. Um, we were, we were talking about star Wars, of course, today. And, um, and I think, I think JK really kind of hit it on the head on this, but we were talking about how the Jedi were not able to, it felt like they couldn't feel emotions because it would just lead them directly to the dark side. Um, and I think a big aspect, which just in life and Harry's experiences and, and what happened at the end of the fifth book is it's okay to feel fear and anger and hate. And, you know, just to, to have those bad feelings, but it's not about not feeling those feelings is about what you do when you feel those feelings. Do you get deeper like Voldemort and just, you know, get into that anger and hate and power and control? Or do you go more towards Harry's route and be more passionate and caring and loving, even though you do uh, feel those, but it kind of, it, it fuels something different. And so I think that's just a big aspect of life in general. Honestly, it's not about you can never fear. You can never feel fear. You can never feel all those bad. I'm using air quotes. I use that a lot nowadays, but bad feelings. Um, it's about what you do with those feelings that matter. So that's my thought on it. I don't know if I'm just talking to very talk, deep, but very deep. Yeah, very deep. And so we won't go talking about it, but, uh, but yeah, so fifth book, I, uh, I liked it. It was good. And we're moving on to the sixth book, unless anyone else has anything to say. Nope. Nope. All right. So, uh, yes. <laughs> um, now I do want to lastly mention that order of the Phoenix did come out in 2003, which is actually three years after Goblet of Fire. So oh. maybe that's why these last three books actually do kind of feel different because jk rowling's a different headspace possible just saying so three years later uh she wrote the gobble or the the order of the phoenix 
And then two years later, in 2005, the Half-Blood Prince came out. So let's dive into this one because this one I feel like is a lot of people's favorites. I'm <clears throat> not hinting at anything. But, Emily, uh, <laughs> favorite. <laughs> Emily. So, um, of course, this first book starts off with uh, you know, the government. Obviously, Cornelius Fudge. He realized that Voldemort was actually back in the end of the end of the fifth book, and he's all like, "Oh, I can't do this." And so another minister's coming in, kind of changing of the guards a little bit. But uh, but yeah, let's let's kind of dive into this book. So Emily, well, maybe I shouldn't have Emily go first. Maybe I should have John or Jace go first. Um, Jace, since John went first last time, you can say, what do you like about this book? Um, I think the sixth book, I mean, Emily will touch on this, obviously, but I really enjoy how much information, just sheer information there is in the sixth mm -hmm. book. Like everything from just things that we learned through having another teacher that we've never met before yeah. um, in his past, things that we learned through that, things that we learn with um, interactions with Dumbledore and the um, various missions that we go on with him. Mm -hmm. And, and then especially even, even, you know, getting a little bit more of um, Snape's past. Um, yes. you, there's just so much information in this book and revelations and foreshadowing. And I just really, that, I think that's my, my number one thing with this book is there's, it's one of those books that like, obviously you cannot skip any of them. Yeah. But like, you cannot miss a beat in book six because you're gonna miss something I, th I feel like is really crucial. I feel like in the overarching scheme of all seven, book six really sets you up for the ending and really almost like lifts you to that point where you are ready for the ending, for the yeah. culmination of it all into that seventh book. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I agree. Uh, John, what do you, what do you like about this book? I really like Dumbledore in this book because <clears throat> all through the series he has that i know a lot and i know things that are going it. on but in this one he's like taking that to a whole other level because he has so much going on in this book and he is like trying to get harry prepared trying to finally tie everything together and like I don't know, his role in this just reaches its pinnacle, I think, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And, like, obviously it's so important to the whole storyline, and um, to me, this is the culmination of everything Dumbledore has been working for so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to piggyback off of that, I also feel like John touches on, like, how aware Dumbledore is in this book. Yeah. Like he knows literally what's coming, how it's going to end. And like just the amount of knowledge he has and, and knows how it's, how it's all going to go down. He just knows. Um, yeah. Is it just, it's impressive. It is 
it is very impressive and that's i think this is the one that and i think that's why in this book she focuses on dumbledore dumbledore so much um anyway so uh emily you can have at it what do you what do you like about this book i mean i already Uh, know but tell the listeners this, this is just an amazing book and i love i love the backstory you get of Tom Riddle and just his journey through the school and his childhood and figuring out like all of his connections to people and you figure out, oh, these Horcrux things, what even is that? And we've got to steal memories from these guys and we're going to go on this little field trip together and Mm -hmm. it might be a little deadly, but it's fine. We're going together. And, and balancing with all of that. And like the guys were saying, like Dumbledore is planning like 20 steps ahead at this point. And it's just insane how organized he is about this. Um, But balancing with all of that, like extremely important information is like Harry's uh, sixth year at school and he's a 16 year old boy. And Mm -hmm. so you also have like, friendship drama and like he starts to have a crush on Ginny and Ron super duper has feelings for Hermione and oh actually I'm just gonna date Lavender instead because she thinks I like to see all the time and like you get this these really fun lighthearted moments in all of that really serious business (laughs) where it's like oh yeah these are also like just teenagers who are going to school, you know, and you have the the slug club because Horace Slughorn is sixth defense against the dark arts teacher. Oh no, he does no. potions. He does potions. potions. Yeah. And Snape gets to do the again. Anyways. Which was so, a hard, which was a hard like hint at what was going to happen in reality. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. But it, um, I think Emily just uh, hits yeah. the, hits the nail on the head there with, it really that is a really good description of this book is just JK's excellent ability at just balancing this crazy, magical, suspenseful storyline, but interwoven in this teenager <laughs> escapade so of school drama. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's really that's probably one of the one of the things that makes the book so enjoyable. Now, she mentioned Horace Slughorn. Let's talk about him a little bit, because he is introduced in this book. He is coming to be the potions teacher, um, because he was the potions teacher back in the day um, Mm -hmm. when Tom Riddle went to school. And so he's kind of coming back out of retirement to to teach. And uh, what do you think? Specifically asks him to come back. Yeah. Yeah. And why do... So what does his character have... uh, like, why do you think... So, like, I'm going to ask the same question as why I think J.K. Rowling added Dolores' character. But why do you think J.K. added a character like Slughorn to this book? So, in direct opposite of why she made Dolores, I think he brought in Slughorn to bring some humanization to our main villain. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that she... I think... Very few time, very few instances that a villain is just purely evil. Yeah. And Voldemort, I think, really is evil. 
because um, you can see even from a young even age, he was evil. Um, yeah. But I think this was her way of showing us someone who saw him as more than that um, to where I think you can understand him a little better. Like, mm-hmm. even if it's not understanding him as if, like, you see where he's coming from, not in that way, but understanding who he is and understanding where he like where he came from in the sense of what he was like as a younger child because i feel like a lot of people have a weird fascination with well this is what they're like now because you think about any villain even if even in the real world you know you think about serial killers even in Mm -hmm. in our world that you kind of wonder like what were they like as a child you know and so i think it was jk's way of exploring that and giving us somebody who you know was very um, ashamed of what he did and the knowledge he gave him. But I also think it was her way of saying, I, w- I want to see what it would be like to- with someone who um, obviously disagrees with him, but still sees him as a boy mm-hmm. um, who was just really intelligent. Um, yeah. and which, uh, which then kind of leads me into like his whole conversation with Harry and then eventually how Harry gets what he needs from Slughorn because he does recognize um, what Slughorn, like Slughorn's past. And he understands like he was a teacher and so he cared for his student just like any other student. But what Harry does is appeals to him on a side of, you know, you need to be brave. Um, You know, even though you see him as 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 a little boy who's trying to study just like any other student, you need to be brave and stand up for what's right, um, just like his mother did. And but, so I feel like in, in opposition to um, Dolores and showing you know this evil person, um, I think that that's kind of what her intention was was to just kind of humanize um, the whole Voldemort idea just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And this book, yeah. Uh, we also, and kind of to piggyback off of Jace, we learn about the Horcruxes, um, you know, breaking your soul into uh, multiple pieces, and the only way of doing that is murdering people. Um, yeah. And so Slughorn, that's the that's what Slughorn regrets, you know, kind of like he created this monster. Um, and so uh, very... And he's a, he's a teacher, and you see that. You see that in the book. You see how he cares for students. So I really like what Jay said about just, yes, he regrets what happened, and yes, he regrets sharing information, but at the end of the day, he was a teacher, and he was just wanting to help students learn, um, uh, kind of humanizing them in a sense. So a uh, very important part though is the horcruxes um of course when we get to book seven that is pretty much the main storyline um before we uh, get much farther is there anything else kind of uh of course emily might know but is there anything else kind of in this book that happens that isn't major like the ending <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm trying, I don't want to. I don't want to skip too far ahead to like you know the cave and everything to where Dumbledore is trying to be like, oh yeah, let's go find these things. Come on, come with me. Like, is there anything that kind of happens before that that is kind of pertinent to the story 
I'm trying to remember. So subplot in the name of the book is the Half Blood Prince, and in yes, I, for, I, I meant to mention that Harry gets uh, Harry wants to be an <clears throat> orb, but does not think that he's going to have the grades, and so he doesn't sign up for potions. And then it turns out his grades are fine, and so he gets thrown into Slughorn's potions class and doesn't have his materials and so he has to use an old book that once belonged to the half-blood prince and who is this uh, half-blood prince who is this half-blood prince we're wondering the entire book yeah about who am i be and um whoever it is is really good at potions and also makes up spells and he uses one on draco and it's super awful and so that's just a bunch of terrible... Sanctum Sempra. Yep. Terrible blood and bleh. Blood uh, and cuts and yum stinkers. stuff. Yep. Um, yeah. And so, you know, at the end of the book, we find out that Snape is the Half-Blood Prince. <gasps> dun, dun, dun! You're so good sorry. at spoiling things. Don't I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't give a warning that time. Um, no. But... So then Harry almost feels betrayed by his book because he's like, no, you were so great. And now I found out you belong to this awful man who killed my teacher. Mer More <laughs> Harry, <laughs> Harry doesn't do well with books, does he? <laughs> no. The diary in the second one, this one. Yeah. But, he gets uh, too attached to, to non-living things. Yeah. John, is there anything that uh, that you remember from this book you remember liking that we haven't mentioned already? Not that I can think of, but I do. They say why he's called the Half Blood Prince. Is that just a name he came yeah, up for it's himself? Because his um, his mother, I think her maiden name was Prince, and that was the pure blood side. His dad was a Muggle, I'm pretty sure. So he was the half-blood prince because he wanted to put emphasis on the pure Oof. blood side of his family. just gives me chills oh just oh so good just oh jk you are a master just a master yep um, so good <laughs> but uh another thing that happens in this book is uh the luck um potion yep and uh you know that's a big thing being confident with yourself that's a big part of this book um, too with uh, which you actually see like Ron Quidditch coming back a little bit. We yeah. haven't really seen Quidditch since uh, since the fourth book, but Ron, um, you know, kind of taking over her his brother's mantle, not being a beater but being a uh, a keeper. So that's that's kind of a cool part of this book as well. But you know what? Um, let's just kind of dive into the end of this book because I feel like it's very important, you know, and I, I want to remember correctly, but does Dumbledore actually tell, like, I know Harry finds out about the Horcrux, but like Dumbledore says, oh, hey, Harry, we're going to go try to find this Horcrux, like the yes. locket, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. He didn't know which one it would be, but he said, I think I've located a Horcrux and I told you. That you could come with me if I found one. So, do you want to come? And come Harry's to find like, out yeah, that I'm it wasn't you. even there anymore. Oh, that was heartbreaking. I really was. Yeah. After the whole thing. Yeah. Locket. 
Yeah, it was a cool part in the book, though. I love that. I love seeing power, and I feel like that's one thing we kind of was missing from Dumbledore. We we didn't really see the his full power until the fifth book when the fight with with Voldemort, and then in yeah. this one you kind of see his power as well. So, yeah, very good. Um, anything else? You know, we never mentioned the Marauders map. We kind of probably mentioned it a little bit in the third book, but that's just a big thing overall. Um, it was. Gosh, what else happens in this book? I want to so, remend my statement of there not being anything. My favorite thing is that Aragog dies. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so cold. But just the whole scene with the Felix Felicis is hilarious, oh. and I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also feel like the, there's a fun thing with this book because you officially see two of your main characters like they're officially a thing like not together but like you know they both like each other and one of them is being stupid and Love. you know there's some jealousy going on and so it's just like the first book where you're like confirmed oh my gosh two of two of your three are going to be together yeah like it's going to happen Ship them. Yeah. Ship, ship them. them. Pack them up and ship them. So this is the beauty of this book because I want to talk talk about the end because we had a whole other book to talk about, which I feel like is going to take an hour on itself. Um, <laughs> but uh, but the ending of this book, you know, it's just Snape and uh, Draco and just kind of Voldemort, you know. Voldemort's too much of a chicken to just go out and take care of Voldemort. He has to send his little minions, and he really wants he wants Draco to step up and to kill Vold or to kill Dumbledore. Well, he's um, directing him to do that. Yeah, directing him to do that, and and you know I don't know if you, we don't find out till the seventh book about him about Dumbledore being like poisoned and and dying already, right? No. Or do we actually find that out in this one? No, we don't find it out until the seventh one, the seventh but one, it did yeah. happen. Yeah, in the sixth book. Yeah, but Timeline. yeah, pretty much all that we know now is Snape comes in and murders Dumbledore right in front of all the Death Eaters, and pretty much runs and Harry away. And is trapped the... under the invisibility cloak in the stunning spell. Oh, oh man. I remember crying so hard with Dumbledore when Dumbledore died. I was not prepared for it. Somehow I made it all the way until I read these books without knowing that he died. And I hate when main characters I, die. It's I think that I was book. spoiled. I think that that was spoiled for me. Like, I think I hadn't read the book yet or I was reading it. Yeah. And someone at school was all like, Dumbledore dies. And I'm all like, are you freaking kidding me? Oh yeah. my gosh! I remember exactly who spoiled it for me. Do you guys remember Michael Galliato in college? Yes. He no. came into mine and uh, my roommate's room, and we were watching it. He was like, "Oh, is this the one where Dumbledore dies?" And I was like, "What?" Oh, and I, was, no. I was so mad. Um, yeah. but I was like, "He's joking, right?" And my roommate was like, "No." Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah it was spoiled for me too. Definitely a hard hit, um, you know, killing Dumbledore. Definitely a harder hit having Snape do it. Um, but of course, we think that just Snape is a horrible. We think that Snape is a horrible person the entire series. 
Yeah, until and, literally the very end of the seventh. Book. Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. I can't wait to it's talk so about beautiful. it. But um but yeah, just Harry's angry and frustrated and upset and just uh, yeah. So it's it's just a weird ending. It's a good ending. Um but yeah, what are your guys' thoughts on just kind of the ending and and everything? It's the soul-crushing ending that leaves you going, what the heck is going to happen in the seventh and last book? Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, it really just, like, works you up through the whole thing because they go to the cave. They go through all of that craziness. Dumbledore drinks the potion. The dead things come out of the lake. They finally make it back, and Dumbledore's super weak, and they get to the tower, and then all of this insanity goes down. And it's just like one thing after another after another. And it's like, yeah. oh my gosh, I can't breathe. It's just, you know, they're almost kind of just, and JK, I feel like did a really good job with this, but um, they real, he, she really just kind of symbolized no hope. She's killing off all these people that we know if they're alive, something good will happen. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like serious, alive. Oh, yay, dead. Dumbledore. Oh, she's the most powerful wizard. Dead. Yeah. So it's it just leads it to the to the seventh one, which it is has just to be Harry. so good. Um, any last thoughts on anything about the Half Blood Prince, John or Jace or Emily or anything? Super fave. Super fave. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Anybody else? Nope. All right. Well, (laughs) I remember when the seventh one came out. I actually remember when this one came out. I don't really want to say what year it came out because that's to tell you people I'm getting old. But it came out in 2007. So about 15 years ago. Wow. 15 years ago? Oh, yes. 15 years ago. So... (laughs) That was beautiful. Thank you. Um, so this is the book. This is the book. And JK was all like, this is the end of the series. We knew it was the end. And I remember people freaking out, lining up in the bookstores, dressing up as Harry Potter to see the, you know, for the book to drop. Like, I remember that. Does anyone else remember that? No. Really? Jace? But that's because John? I didn't well, John, read John, after they were all out. No, I I have faint memories of just like the the like colossal scale of everything. Yeah. Like how crazy it was, how this was the final book. It was called Deathly Hallows. What the heck? What's it going to be? How is it going to I just remember how monumental it was, but I don't have like a lot of specific memories. Yeah. Well, I guess that makes sense because uh, I was the only one who kind of followed it when it came out and out of, out of us four, um, you know, uh, Emily and Jonathan, they read it after, um, you know, uh, all the books came out, Jonathan, even later than Emily. And then Jace just kind of, you know, was casually reading them. I guess that's a, that's a fair representation. Oh my gosh. I just, the seventh book is this brings so back, just brings back so many memories, um, for me. Uh, specifically and i'm pretty sure there's some pages that are still wet but we'll talk about it so um 
yeah it's it just it, it's it's amazing it's just, and i think that's why i have and i don't talk I, anyway let's talk about the book because i'll just start talking <laughs> about nostalgia um because that's an episode for another time so let's dive into this what in the heck is going on um we just got off of dumbledore dying and they're like well what can be next so uh Let's just kind of start off by saying, you know, what we like about this book first, and then we'll just kind of dive into everything that happens. Um, so, Emily, you go first with this one since you have not gone first yet. Okay, well, this is like the the epic quest of Lord of the Rings, but all in one book. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like Harry figuring out this is like what I have to do. Like, I am the one who has to take care of this. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore did all of this to put these pieces in place so that I could get done what needed to be done. And it's very, like, Jace said that he felt really alone in the fifth book. I feel like the seventh book is even more so. Like, he feels very alone in his quest. Even though he's got Ron and Hermione there with him, it's a very, like, I... I am alone in this because I am the only one who can take care of wiping out Voldemort. Like, that's what I have to do. And it's it's a very emotional struggle for him, like, throughout the entire book. And I feel like there, there are a lot fewer of those happy, carefree moments in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just a more intense serious kind of book and it just like it just it throws your heart around man it does it really does all right john what about you what do you like about this book uh kind of like what she said i like that it's a big adventure and i like it in stories when there are like a certain number of items or things that each have their own personal but like they're each unique and you have to find them or like there's something special about them so i like that in this one they're going around and finding these different horcruxes that are each a part of voldemort's life so you're not only building on like finding these items, you're also learning more about Voldemort as you go. And I think that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. What about you, Jace? I think so. Okay. On the last episode, I talked about how th- my, how I rank books individually mm-hmm. compared to like what my favorite is. Yeah. Like this one as a sole book removed from the series is an excellent book because to me when when i can't when i physically can't put a book down because i i have to know what happens i think that is how you know it's a great book um whether you're in it for the story or the or the ending or the grand finale or whether it's you know just because the book is compelling um and I think that this book has a great pacing to it in that you don't want to put it down ever. 
because it does give you an emotional roller coaster of yeah. events that happen that you just can't quite get enough because you're you're left every chapter going okay why well, do I need to resolve that I need to know what happens next I need to know how that ends and so I think that for me that's the best part of this book is it's just so it's such a big book it's yeah. just and not physically obviously but I mean like there's just so much that you want to know and find out that you can't put it down. Um, and it just pulls at you in ways that the other books just don't. Um, between it just being the last one, but also in, in the events that happen in it. Um, it is definitely a monumental book. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to figure out, while you guys were talking, uh, I'm trying to figure out how I should speak about this book. he wasn't listening to us. <laughs> i was listening to, i was listening about everything um but i was also giving me time to figure out how i want to talk about this and i don't know i mean so you could talk about specific basics of this book you know their talk their 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 job is to find the horcruxes to find the pieces of soul of voldemort to so that in the grand scheme will they'll be able to kill him um yeah. The Deathly Hollows, and you have the um, the story. You know, you have the Resurrection Stone, the Elder Wand, the Invisibility Cloak. You know, so you get all that tied in there as well. Um, and so you kind of have two major things happening at the exact same time, and you kind of realize, oh, well, that makes sense. The Resurrection Stone that was the Sorceress Stone, or maybe not. And then you're like, oh, well, really was it? Or I don't know, but. Um, and I remember that confusion. And of course, the invisibility cloak. Well, we knew that because that was Harry's. And then yeah. um, the Elder Wand, uh, which was Dumbledore's, which was now yeah. Voldemort's, but not really. Um, which is beautiful Fantastic. writing in there. <laughs> so, you know, you have that aspect. And that's where Luna comes back into play in this book. Is kind of that story, that myth, that... Um, it's like childhood story. It's not supposed to be, it wasn't supposed to be a real story. It was just like a childhood story that was actually real. I think it was like the, called the, like the beetle of the, beetle and the bard or something like the that. The tales of beetle, the bard. Yeah. So, um, and so that's kind of what I want to mention. And then I want to just dive in at the beginning of the book. So pretty much the beginning of the book starts off and, uh, is pretty much them trying to, escape with harry to take him to a better place um a safer place and one of the things that i like about this book is you actually see a lot of the dursleys in this one um kind of see them actually care for harry um, well you see dudley turn out to not be the worst <laughs> yeah dudley turned out to not be the worst but other than that yeah um, we're they... still like okay bye okay well, bye. i think Petunia I think Petunia has like a brief moment, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Where she's just kind of looking back out on everything. Yeah. And I think that she doesn't come out. I mean, I don't think that she would ever come out and say it, but I do think that I've always thought Petunia was one of those, like, I think she was always just more frustrated at the situation. Um, like not ever mad at Harry, but like frustrated that her sister was different from her and got to go to this school and, um, and so she internalized all that, and so she disliked them all, and then all then they get killed, and 
her sister's now dead, but then she has to look out for the baby. And um, so I, I just feel like Petunia does have a little moment there where you almost feel like she regrets how they did everything. But she would never come out and say it, obviously. Yeah. But I have always chose to believe that. Um, that makes sense. I, I feel like this is not canon, but I think that she... <laughs> like, I think she kind of regrets how they treated him, um, but she's not willing to say that. Yeah, that makes sense. But then it moves on into them like drinking the Apologies potion and having different people. Isn't there like a goblin in this or something like, isn't there something living in the attic or something like that? Or was that in the sixth one? <laughs> that is Ron's like, Poltergeist. Cover story. It's not a poltergeist. It's, not? it's like a. Sounds like a goblin. It's like or... a ghoul. I think it's, like it's a, a ghoul. ghoul, and and it's supposed to be him with like spattergroit or something. And he's like, "Look, it's supposed to be me." And Harry's like, "What?" Is that so ha- the people? It happens. It does it's happen in this book. Okay. Or they, yeah, before they leave because they're all at the Weasleys' house for the wedding. And Harry is planning on leaving right after the wedding. And Ron and Hermione are like, we're coming with you. And he's like, no, you're not. And they're like, no, seriously, look what we've done. And then Ron shows him the ghoul. And Hermione talks about how she wiped her parents' memories. And they're like, we we are seriously coming with you. We've made yeah. all the preparations. And we're ready to go. Yeah. Well, and let's kind of mention the wedding and everything. This is Fleur Delacour, which we saw in... Uh, book four and uh bill and weasley bill, bill weasley which is jace's favorite character yeah. no he likes no, charlie like charlie oh you like charlie, charlie who we actually never see do we ever see charlie not, not in, in the, the movies. movies in not the, the books been in the books okay i thought so i thought we saw him in the books um yeah so they're at the wedding um and but before we kind of talk any more about that let's talk about the you know the many deaths that happen at the, the beginning of the freaky oh. book. Hedwig is Hedwig. Hedwig. Let's oh. be honest here. That was <laughs> okay. It was full disclosure. Full disclosure. <laughs> Out of all the major deaths, that's like number two for me of the worst. Oh my gosh! I mean, it's I'm true. Just being, I'm just being transparent. Like Dumbledore's right after that. And serious, but like when Hedwig died, I was like, "Oh, it's oh funny. God. It's funny because literally the one thing, like in my head." But I, I have obviously I have a super soft spot for animals, so like yeah. when an animal dies, it's like soul crushing. Yeah. So are the so are the people, but like <laughs> I, I looked at I looked at Hedwig as like a constant rock for Harry. Like what? Yeah. She like. You're... Never left him. I just, I just rock. Yes. rock. You're one of those. You're one of those people that watches a war movie, like a World War One movie, and all the people are dying on the horses, and you're like, oh, the horses. Hey, those horse deaths <laughs> are sad. I am 100 percent in Lord of the Rings when he kills the the Oliphant or whatever it is. I cried. Oh, I was yeah. like, you killed all those people. You didn't have to kill the elephant. <gasps> well, so you listed several people that die in this series and my the saddest one for me had like you didn't even name 
Anyway. Have you seen that meme? That's like that's no, because that's number one. Oh, is that number one? Okay. Yes. Have you have Um, you seen the meme that's like how long does an owl live? Seven and a half books. Oh my gosh. Oh that's terrible. It's not necessarily so in I don't I guess I don't want to talk about the movie much. And I actually I'm not even gonna mention it. I'm just gonna mention what happens in the book. She he gets crushed by a by a um a suitcase. He gets a vada cadaver, bro. That's in no, that's in the movie. Uh uh-uh. uh. In the book, I think he literally is like in the cage, and he, they're falling, and the suitcase lands on top of the cage. Right? No, you're crazy. <laughs> he like light goes by and hits Hedwig, and Hag and Harry screams, and then he has to drop the cage. And oh, okay, so. But ha- but Hedwig is already dead before he hits the ground. Okay, I thought that she- I must have read it wrong because I thought she he got crushed. She did not get crushed by a suitcase. I like how you said it's a she when it's a he. Is it a he or a she? No, I thought it was a, a he. She. Jace is telling me it's a she. Hedwig oh. is a girl. He literally says she gets bored. Oh, the- yeah, that's true. Okay, well, okay. <laughs> um, Mad Eye dies. Yeah. Yeah. In the beginning of this. And um, Umbridge has his eye. Yeah. You find out that Umbridge That is infuriating. And then Fred gets cursed. Yeah. yeah. Fred loses an ear or something. No, off. George gets cursed. George gets, no. Yeah, because George. he's left in. Spoiler. Yeah. <clears throat> Fred dies. Wow. Rude. <laughs> That's how I remembered because George has the ear gone, but he's the one who lives. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, JK. Anyway, so so yeah, there are some major deaths that happen in the beginning of the book, um, and there's just more to come. Uh, so pretty much they go. I mean, there's so much that happens in this book. It's almost to the point where I just say, yeah, they go out hunting for the Horcruxes <laughs> after the wedding. Um, you almost have to because they. I mean, the wedding gets interrupted, and then basically they they um, apparate they out, go. and then that's pretty much what they're doing. Yeah. So they're kind of by themselves, and let's let's list the Horcruxes. Um, okay. so, so there's the journal, which is destroyed. The diary. Mm-hmm. Right, the diary, which is destroyed. There's the ring, which, which is, destroyed. is destroyed. Which Dumbledore's was on Dumbledore's back. finger. Yes. yes. And how was that one destroyed? Dumbledore did it, but he that's why he... Uh, he wasn't um, fast dying. enough, and that's why he got poisoned. Yeah. Gotcha. Because he okay. put the ring on or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's Helga Hufflepuff's cup. Which we haven't which gotten to yet. Get, okay. Which they get in this Which book. they get from the from Bellatrix's vault. There's the vault locket, which they already got. Yeah, there's the locket, mm. which they get from Umbridge. Well, they got the they fake, they got the fake one. The ministry they got the fake locket. Steal it off her neck. In the cave. Mm-hmm. And then they get the real one in this book. Yeah, in this book. Yeah. And then there's the snake. A snake. Which Neville whips his head off like a boss. True. Um, her then, head. Sorry. Bikini is a she. Bikini I is a she. And the diadem. And the di- yeah, Rowena Ravenclaw's diadem, diadem. Which they find in the room of requirement, the hidden space. Via the gray lady. That bursts into flames. Yeah, yes. because a freaking, I can't remember if it's crab or goyle. But they use fiend fire, which is deadly. Yeah. And then, um, and then the second one is obviously 
spoiler alert, Harry himself. Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, Which was probably one of the biggest reveals, I think. Yeah. Since since Darth Vader, in my opinion. Since Darth Vader. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna question that because honestly, like that. I mean, and wasn't there a moment when Dumbledore or somebody was all like, "Yeah, you have to die." No, it's in Snape's memories. Snape's memories. Oh yeah. That's what right. the heck? It's so yeah. big. It's like in the middle of all of this war at Hogwarts and Snape gets killed and he gives the memories to Harry and Harry goes up back to the castle and watches them in the Pensieve. And yeah. it's like all of Dumbledore's plans from the beginning yeah. that, that he's been like preparing for. And that's when you find out that like he was poisoned and Snape had to kill him. Yeah. But he knew he was dying anyway, and you find out that Snape has always been in love with Harry's mother, and he was really trying to protect him this whole time. Which is why he sent and his Patronus to help him. Yeah. Yes. It just like, oh my gosh, that's a great chapter. Do you think that that was JK's plan the entire time? But do you think that she I had... Don't think, I don't know, because here's what I... Having written multiple books myself now at this point, I just... You like saying that. I do. It's fun to say. It's true. But as an author, I'm sitting here going, I just don't understand how sometimes these authors, especially when they've already released certain books, mm -hmm. how they either must have already had that in mind or just intricately wove what they already wrote into their new plot you know yeah. now given how i've approached my books it's like i could have easily seen either way i could have seen jk having the skill level of just being able to effortlessly weave all the all the previous books into mm -hmm. this idea of the horcruxes or i could have easily seen her that could have been one of the first ideas she had you yeah. know, as she was like making this idea in her mind. Um, I know that a lot of authors I've watched interviews of, like sometimes they have the biggest twist or plot point already planned out. And then it's all the other things. So I don't know which one, which method she did or how early on she knew that, but um, yeah, it's yeah. so good. So I, since the time where we recorded the last episode to now, I watched the hogwarts the harry potter reunion mm -hmm. and they do mention that none of them were allowed to know what happened but Except alan rickman, rickman went to jk rowling like, and hey, what happened <laughs> yeah she was like he was like i need to know for my character what happens and so that he could correctly portray snape and they never yeah. really say when in the series he did that, but I'm assuming it was pretty early. So if that's true, she probably had that idea yeah. for a while. I think she probably at least had it prior to the fifth book because yeah. of how, because of how we get into Snape's past and Snape acting all weird. Mm -hmm. uh, but either way, she, it, it was a pretty crazy 
thing she came up with. Yeah. Snape is probably one of the best characters in this entire series. Um, just such, just such a character that people can relate to people can, uh, and it's just so funny cause he's a villain most of the entire time until this last book and everyone kind of just fell in love with him. Um, and then of course, you know, he died that very brutal death, um, by Nagini and it wasn't even because he betrayed Voldemort, which he did. <laughs> it was because it was, it was just like, Hey, Voldemort dude knows that he was working against him that whole time yeah he's just like i need the wand it's like so i need the wands you yeah. kill them now i gotta kill you happy now okay nagini kill yeah. all right so my wand now <laughs> yeah which there is some controversialness there because people say that that it was snape's wand it just didn't work for voldemort people say that Actually, it was Draco who had the wand because he's the one that disarmed Dumbledore. I've heard that, I've heard that theory. Says. Yeah, he says that in the book, I'm pretty sure, about how it was always Draco's wand because, because Draco's the one, the one who disarmed who, yeah. um, Dumbledore. Which, Voldemort which, only thought it was Snape's because Snape killed Dumbledore. Yeah. But then for some reason, Voldemort also naively thought that just by killing Snape, the the wand would go to him. Yeah. But then but also in the first place. And then also the elder wand was actually Harry's because Harry disarmed Draco yep. in the manor. At Bellatrix's yep. house. So it was always oh. Harry's the whole time. Yeah. So that was jacked up. Sorry, Vol so sorry yeah. Valdi. Sorry, which Voldemort. Is, which is part of why this book is so massive is because I feel like she had to have had like a huge whiteboard with all the little minor things of what is going on, when it, when it's happening. Because I'm just like, there's so many little things that go on in this book that are just kind of there, just happening. Um, but all work together into this beautifully created story yeah yeah well let's go back to malfoy manor since we mentioned it because that is another ah! big, another big scene in this book um pretty much you know they get caught by what are they called the snatchers the yeah yeah the snatchers and then the like horrible that. scene when they get taken because hermione tries to disfigure harry's face which doesn't really work but kind of works it, and it then works kind of temporarily and then they get put in their like dungeon thing and that's where they meet up with Luna, Luna Ollivander, Ollivander and um, Dobby because he can um, operate in and out of the manor because he's an elf. But and... also who was the who was the who was the uh, goblin? It was um oh Rhett, what's his name? Oh what's his oh. name? John what's his name? Oh what's his name? It's the guy from the first one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um gr not Grindelwald. Yeah uh Grip Hook. Grip hook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which he dies. Yeah. Yes. He dies. Because he was the... selfish. Yeah, because he, he was selfish in Green God. But, but that's because we get the awful scene of um, Bellatrix carving mud blood into Hermione's arm. Yeah. But um, I also love. Oh, crap. I just lost it. I loved something, but uh, I can't remember. Oh, I love that she brought Ollivander back. 
Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Um, and they also mentioned like another wand maker too. Um, but uh, so yes, yeah, so pretty much Dobby Dob Dobby comes in and <laughs> oh, saves man, the day. Saves the day, but does not save himself. Links a knife into his heart. And they're apparating, and, and she just happens to have really good aim. And the knife. Oh my god. I, like I said, there's some wet spots in this book that I'm looking through, and it's pretty much when Dobby dies. Um, yeah, I remember my bad. I remember my sister taking that one re- uh, really horribly um, when she read the book, and she read the book first. So, isn't that amazing where, like, Back in the day, you have to like take the take turns <laughs> to read yeah. a book. Um, but uh, but yeah. Which side note: I'm not one for like. Obviously, I don't support killing each other. But um, <laughs> the scene where Molly and uh, oh yeah, that that's just great. a really satisfying scene. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yes. yeah. Very so, good. Mother to mother. Just us. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the next big death in the, in the series is, is Dobby. I think that's, I, I'm trying to remember if there's any other deaths. Luna does. I just die. feel like the reason that is yeah, such a hard die. death to accept is because Dobby is one of the like Nicest. purest characters. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, when I cried <laughs> at the very well, end, if it's at the very end, don't say it. Cause we're going to get to that. Okay, but it's just a little thing at the end. It's no, just, it's just, it's just a little thing, you know, everyone dying. <laughs> at the end, when they're battling and Creature comes in with all the house elves and is like, oh, yeah. I'm my master! Or whatever, and I was like... <laughs> yeah, that was a good moment, so too. Much now. Yeah, that was, yeah uh, that was good. You could just say that, that the whole good. end of the book is just emotional. You oh, just yeah. cry. I love yeah. like endings where it's just like everyone coming together and fighting. Yep, yep. Yeah. Well, we can definitely so let's dive into the end of this book because um, it is very big. The Battle of Hogwarts, I'm pretty sure, is what the title is called. Um, and so they're pretty much they found all the Horcruxes. They've there was a there was a stupid sub story sub subline thing where Ron was mad and thought that Harry and Hermione were together, but blah, blah, blah. When blah, is Ron Hermione. not mad? Insecure Ronald. Like, True. goodness. Like, she loves Ron. I was like, please do not go down this road again. Like, I get yeah. that he's a kid, but he gets on my nerves so much in this series. <laughs> yeah. You've heard it here first, folks. Jonathan hates Ron. <laughs> I don't hate him. Just, oof. Yeah. So the Battle of Hogwarts, um, you know, we're literally the the Hogwarts itself is kind of fighting back and everything and all the teachers and McGonagall and, you know, they're all finally just going at. And how fitting is it for the final battle to be at Hogwarts? Yep. And really, it could have been anywhere. But Slughorn, you either get your Slytherins in line or get them out of here because we're all fighting now. Yeah. Yeah, and the beauty of uh, oh my gosh! So, before we talk about any major deaths, let's just talk about what actually happened. So, Harry, you know, she already, uh, Emily and Jace already mentioned it. You know, Snape gives him the memory before he dies, and Harry watches it and has to, you know, die 
So he goes out and he surrenders to Voldemort. Um, and uh, Voldemort kills him. And then Hagrid, because Hagrid was actually trapped with the Death He's Eaters. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hagrid has to carry him back to. And I mean, I didn't mention it, but all the Horcruxes are are uh, dead except for Nagini, Nagini, I believe. Yeah. Is at that yeah. point when Voldemort killed Harry, he also killed the part of him that was in Harry, which yeah, is the... why Harry had the opportunity, choice to go back. Yeah, which he could. Oh, and he because I forgot about the whole family scene and oh, seeing all of the dead, oh. Sirius and everybody. Stay by me. And it was the little because it was in his his um, snitch snitch that Dumbledore yeah. left him. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Them Dumbledore leaving him them stuff. Yeah. Um. The Illuminator and the Beetle the Bar. Yeah, that they would all need. Um. So yeah. So pretty much final final battle happens. Neville cuts off the head of the snake and. Voldemort Which is really what kills him. Yeah. Yeah. Like Harry's obviously like, which is what I think is interesting because the whole thing about like Harry has to be the one to kill him. And Harry, and Harry did destroy some Horcruxes. Yeah. And, but like he really wasn't the ultimate one that killed him. Well, yeah. the reason Harry kind had of. to be there is because Harry also had to die. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. But I, I don't think it was actually, I think I'm wrong, actually. I don't think it was Harry has to be the one to kill him. I think that one of them had to die. Yes. Neither can live if, while, while the, the other, other survives. survives. Yeah. Whoa. You guys it's said like that in unison. prophecy or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I think I, was, I think I misspoke. I don't, I don't think he's the one who had to kill him. I just think that it was interesting that Neville was really the one. Neville, the... Super, super, super silly nerd. Character. Super just clumsy, yeah. and he's the one who ultimately like ended the whole thing. Well, and it just shows you that you know, J.K. Rowling just kind of mixes a lot of these different um, themes into it. You know, bravery stuff like that. And so Neville to stand up and be brave and to and to do the final deed when the final deeds is a great. Well, ending. I think it's interesting that it was Neville because Neville was the only other person. That that prophecy could have applied to, applied to. Well, and we never could have applied to. Yeah, we didn't talk about it much, but Neville definitely has a much interesting backstory in the books. Um, yeah, you know, with the Bellatrix, um, you know, and you they hint at it in the movies. They don't actually say. It. I mean, they kind of do, but like. They don't straight up say it. Like if you haven't read the books, you wouldn't catch on to it. I feel like. Like I feel like there's a moment where Bellatrix might say, "Oh, I murdered your parents," ha ha ha, or "I tortured your parents," or something like that. But yeah. it really goes more into detail in the books. So, but yeah. all right, let's let's get it over with. Let's talk about deaths at the end. So you've got. <laughs> Fred. Let's let's just name people who didn't Lupin. die. Um, God. Yeah. Yeah, right Lupin, Tonks, Fred, which is horrible, killing a twin. And didn't Tonks have a kid? Like, Tonks and Lupin have a kid? Yes, they had a kid. Yeah, they both had their baby. Oh. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. Harry was the godfather. Yeah, and Harry and Ginny. No, who raises him? 
I don't know who raises them. Yeah, who raises their babies? Maybe the I Weasleys. Know. I don't but know if it ever mentions it. To Hogwarts later on. He's in the he's first in the, child. No, he's in the nineteen year later oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was the biggest biggest thing for me. Lupin is my favorite um, character, and so like that one hit hard. I remember crying hard. I was like, really? Why you gotta tear away every one of Harry's? Why? Everyone I love. Yeah. Um, who else dies? Um, Lavender, Lavender dies. Lavender dies. And lots of kids, um, lots of students. I feel like die. Yeah, a lot of people. Or maybe not on the lame one. Not a um, lot of like. The Malfoys die. don't die. That's no. an interesting. Because they part. leave. Yeah, they're all like, "Yeah, deuces, Voldemort. We're done. We've done serving it. We're yeah. serving you. You about to die." So. Yeah. <sighs> Definitely feel like the seventh book really just gets you in the kickers. I feel like JK just wanted to kill people off just to kill people off. But I think John said something beautifully at one point in time in one episode I think we did recently. Uh, I don't think it was a Harry Potter. It was episode. Crooked Kingdom. Yeah, but you said sometimes an author just knows when a character has to die. And it's not the, it's think... not the author's choice, but it's the it's the end of the character's journey. Hmm. I agree with that, but I also think that um, as an author, you have to be realistic when it's a war. Yeah, like because like I'm, everyone is going to survive that you want. Yeah, to as I'm planning the end of my series, like there's a war, and so you just have to be realistic with people are going to die. Not like can... not everybody can live, and some of those people, the people who you love and the characters you love, who are some of the bravest characters, are going to be fighting. And so I think you just have to, you have to be realistic as an author. And I, so I think that she handles it in a way that's very, I don't know, balanced, you know? Because yeah. um, it would have been like, let's just think like, if Ron or Hermione had died. Like, yeah. there's yeah. just like, when you, okay. when you consider... That what ifs that she could have written, yeah. it would have dramatically changed the ending. And so, yeah, I think it was actually pretty kind of her to kill off people that you were like, again, in no way don't matter or that you loved but didn't right, but are not like core characters that couldn't ha you couldn't have wrapped up the book in a good way. Yeah, because I think that's something else you have to think about from her perspective is like, how do I give this seven book series this culmination of my life's work type thing a good ending that is equally satisfying but also the right thing and so i think that that's something that people often don't give authors credit for about how much thought goes into the ending of a story yeah yeah so i i agree it's definitely one of those things where I mean, out of all the Weasleys, there's so many of them. Only one dies. Yeah. And it has to be the twin. So. And right after they make up with Percy. Yeah, I know, right? All right. Well, anything else to add to this book before we wrap it up here? It's a great book. Great book. All right. You should read it. I like to talk to Dumbledore again. Oh, In yeah. the little... Oh. King Frostation. Yeah, scene. he did get to have that scene with Dumb Dumbledore. 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 
So, uh, yeah. All right. Let's do a rating. You guys ready? No, I'm not ready. Oh, my gosh. No, I'm not ready. <laughs> I've just been crying like I reread the seventh book. We're starting with book three, book five, though, right? Yes. No, we're going to restart from the beginning. <laughs> if anyone wants to change their ranking, this is your moment. No. All right, John, what's your opinion of what's your rating for the fifth book? Nine. Nine. Interesting. Okay. Jace? Um, eight and a half. Eight and a half. Okay. Okay, I feel that. I feel that. Uh, Emily? I'm giving it a solid eight. A solid eight. I'm going to write down solid eight. Yeah, make sure you include the adjective. Solid eight. I am going to give it a... Oh, I feel like you guys are going to hate me. A week eight? No, I'm going to give it... <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm trying to think. I'm going to give it oh, a 6.5. What? You <laughs> ranked it the lowest out of all of them for you? No, I rated six, the second one. The Chamber of Secrets, I rated it a six. Guys, I'm sorry to say this, but the fifth book has never been my favorite. And it's not even my favorite movie, to be honest. It's because of Umbridge. Well, no, it's just... Anyway, it just I just feel like there's a lot that happens in the book. And maybe if I read it again, I would like it more. But just my memory of the book is bad. And it's... And maybe... I don't know. Anyway, but I just feel like out of all the books, I'd least remember that one. Hey, that's how you feel. So... <laughs> all right all right that's how you feel we're gonna kill you later <laughs> all right john or uh yeah john uh sixth one just be prepared when you come to my house this weekend um six six one nine and three quarters someone just had to say it well yeah but it's true interesting all right jace sixth one uh uh, a nine. Nine? Okay. Emily? Sixth one? Ten plus. Ten plus? Dang, you're already going over? On a scale of one to ten, you are an eleven. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot it's your favorite. Uh, yeah, I'm oh, no, I forgot about it. Um, I'm going to give the sixth one a... Two. No, a it nine. It better be higher than a six and a half. I'm going to give it a nine. Because oh, I really, good. it's my it's Very my exciting. it's one of my favorites. All right, and then the finale, the final book, John. What do you give it? I feel like I started the others too high, and I had nowhere to go from there. Um, <laughs> like I would say a nine for this one too. I just really love how she ended the whole thing, and I mean like yeah. the last three books together. Um, yeah, it's just so, so solid and awesome. Yeah. All right, Jace, what do you think? Um, I'm uh, a 9.9. All right. Emily, what about you? Nine. Nine. Okay. And I am going to give the last book a 10. Whoa. Because it is my favorite one out of all of them. It is a very, like, if you, again, if you think about this as just this book, yes. it is a fantastic book yeah. because it gives you 
nearly everything you could possibly ask for. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just saying. All right. So I'm going to assume out of just the rankings, I'm going to assume that John's favorite book is the sixth one. Is that correct, John? It's kind of a tie between the last two, honestly. The last uh, two. But I mean, I mean, I did rank the the sixth one higher, uh-huh. but only by three quarters. So I think <laughs> right, so the a last tie. one. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jace, by your score, I'm going to assume the last one is your favorite. No, it's the fourth one. No, it's one. the third one. The third one's your favorite, but you gave... Yeah, because I said I rate them differently than, like... Because I rate them solely on the book by itself versus out of the series, my favorite that I just enjoy the most reading the is the third, third one. one. But as a story, you like the last one. Absolutely. Agreed. As a sole independent story. Sole independent. So, John, what's your favorite, John? It's a tie between the last two. No, but, like, what's your favorite? You can't have a tie. But I... But it's a series. Nope, you can't have the tie. What's, what's your favorite? I'm forcing it. I'm forcing it out of you. Number two. No. Okay. Um. <sighs> oh my gosh. The last one. Okay. Jonathan. <laughs> what? Jonathan. Listen. All right. My and official then... answer is a tie between the two, but I couldn't choose that. Um, and then Jace's is third one. Uh, Emily's is the sixth one. And mine is the last one. Yeah. Great books, great moments, great series. If you have not read the books and you have just watched the movies, um, I will say this right now. I know we're still doing the Harry Potter series. We still got a couple episodes left of it, but I will say that, and this will be a controversial topic and maybe I shouldn't mention it yet, but I'm going to mention it now. We can talk about it later because this is the end of this episode, but um, you cannot be a true Harry Potter fan unless you have read the books. That's right. I have said what I said. So, if you have not read the books and just watched the movies only because you're not a reader, well, let me just say you should read the books. <laughs> read the books. Okay? Okay. And we will continue that conversation in another episode of this series. So um, anything else you guys want to say towards the, uh, for the end of this? The books are magical. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a pleasure discussing them with you all. Yes. We spent more time on the last three than the first four. So. Yes, we did. So, Emily, you want to say anything before we move on? No. Nope. We don't. She could just shake her head. All right. Well, part three will come out in two weeks. Thank you for listening. See you then. And remember, you don't care. care.